we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me back into the book of Hebrews this evening, Hebrews chapter number 11, and we'll begin reading in verse number 23, Hebrews chapter number 11, and verse 23, the Bible says that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." And through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, saying to do, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed uh, not when she had received the spies with peace. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and we pray that you would use it in our lives. We pray that you would speak to us through it by your spirit. I pray, God, that you would enable me, cleanse me, and fill me with thyself and help me to communicate this message in this hour. Use your word in our lives. May the Spirit of God be our teacher. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want you to notice a phrase that we find in verse number 23. When the Bible said they saw that he was a proper child, speaking of Moses' parents, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Then I want you to look with me, if you would, please, in verse 27. When speaking of their son, Moses, who had grown to be an adult, the Bible said, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. What holds us back from faith? What, what is the, in, the enemy, the adversary, the, the uh, antithesis of faith? It is fear, fear. And so I want to speak to you uh, this evening on faith for all of our fear. Faith for all of our fear. All of us have fears to deal with, struggles. Perhaps you're aging, and uh, there are fears that are unique to this stage of life, the uncertainty of your health or uh, concerns about uh, your finances, Uh, maybe a concern about your family and your children. Uh, Those are are fears that people have. Maybe 
as a young adult and a concern about your family and how you're going to make it through and, and uh, financial pressures and family pressures and stresses, uh, maybe trouble at work and difficulties. Uh, but there are fears that come. Or maybe you're a young person and you're, you're trying to discern what God wants you to do with your life and uh, you wonder if you're going to miss the will of God and there, there are fears. And, and uh, then as we live by faith, there are fears that come to us every day, the, the fear of uncertainty and what will happen if we trust God and if we step out? Uh, what will happen if we speak up for him? And uh, those are fears that uh, we contend with. And we understand that fear will always be something that we deal with as long as we live uh, in these bodies and on this earth. But the Bible tells us here that Moses' parents, when they were faced with a very difficult situation, meaning that their male child was condemned at birth by the Pharaoh, the leader, the king of Egypt, the Bible said that they were not afraid of the king's commandment. There are times when what we believe and what we hold true and dear uh, will come into conflict with this world and its leaders. Uh, we're living in such a time today, and there are a lot of fears that uh, leaders have and, and Christians have about the future and what steps we'll take and how do we deal with these fears because they're legitimate concerns. But when faced with this situation of obeying the king's command and, and giving their child up, throwing him into the Nile River to be devoured by the crocodiles, the Bible said they were not afraid of the king's commandment. And that faith, that courageous, bold faith that Amram and Jochebed possessed really became the faith of their son. Now, we know the, the story, and perhaps you know it. I would imagine most of you do, but maybe you're here tonight and you don't. Little baby Moses was placed in a basket laid in the Nile River. She hid him for three months, but there came a time when he was growing and she couldn't silence his cries and she couldn't keep him hidden. And people were beginning to talk. Do they have a baby? And no doubt other Israelites who had feared the king's command and who had uh, sacrifice their children. Well, they didn't like the fact that they, Amram and Jochebed, had not sacrificed theirs. And so uh, people began to talk. And so she realized, I can't continue to hide my child. So she placed him in a basket in the river. And then the Pharaoh's daughter went down to the river. And as she was down at the river, she saw the basket and she asked her maids to go and get the basket. They opened the basket and the beautiful baby boy was inside that basket. God took care of this child. And as Christians, we have to trust God with our children, don't we? We must do all that we can to protect them, but we must also learn to trust God with them. And God preserved Moses. They saw that he was a proper child. It doesn't just simply mean, I, I believe, that he was well-formed and handsome, although that's what the implication is. But it means they had a sense that God was doing something. 
Now, I want you to look back in verse 20. We looked at this last week. And uh, in fact, let's just look at verse 13, at the opening of verse 13. And then we'll go to verse 20. This is what we reflected on last week. These all died in faith. They died in faith. And then in verse number 20, we have the record of three men who as they were nearing death and some as they were literally breathing their last breath, uttered statements of faith. The Bible says in verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Isaac thought he was dying. We know that he did live for many more years before he eventually died. But before his death, he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. They had embraced the promises of God. They had seen them. They were persuaded of them. They embraced the promises of God. And Isaac saying, I'm going to die, but you boys need to understand God has a purpose and plan for your life. We are people of promise. Well, Jacob got the blessing, and look in verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Jacob, not having received those promises, but having seen them and being persuaded of them and, being, and, and having embraced them, he professed that he was a stranger and a pilgrim in the earth. Now, he's, he's living in Egypt at the end of his days. And he's saying to his sons, God's promise that you'll dwell in the land of Canaan is a promise that will come true. And God will send a deliverer through the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Isaac died in faith. Jacob died in faith. And look at verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Joseph said, you're going to bury me here, but don't leave my bones here because there's coming a day when you're going to leave and just remember that. Don't get too comfortable here in Egypt. And when you go out, take my bones with you. Don't leave me behind. Bury me where I'm supposed to be buried, in the land of my inheritance. What is he testifying of? He's testifying that God is going to fulfill his promise. But what was holding them back from that promise at this point? By the time 400 years has come and gone, they're full of fear. They have fear to contend with. So how did they deal with their fear? Well, they dealt with it by faith. Look at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born. Then look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years. Look at verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Verse 28. Through faith, he kept the Passover. Verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not. And so we understand the significance and importance of faith. Now, we, we noted this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, uh, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. 
We also learned in verse number six that without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But fear will hold us back and fear will cause us to doubt God. Fear can overcome us if we're not careful. And so here we find in the life of Moses that his parents embracing the promise that was made to Abraham, the one that Isaac again uttered in his death, the one that Jacob, while he was a dying, made mention of, and also Joseph made mention of his bones. All of these men died saying, God is going to take you out of Egypt, and he's going to take you in to the land of promise. Now, 400 years of bondage had come and gone by the time Moses is born, and the people uh, were oppressed. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus that their lives were full of rigor and hard bondage. They cried out to God in their despair. There had been perhaps a time when they had gotten comfortable in Egypt, but there arose a new leader who did not know Joseph. He didn't know what had been done, and so he decided to put the Israelites in bondage. Let me say that when we get comfortable in this world, that's when Satan begins to to, to cause us to, to be unaware of the dangers all around us, and eventually, before we know it, we're in bondage to the flesh and to sin and the world, and, the, and so these people now are in bondage, and they're miserable in their bondage, and they're crying out for a deliverer, and God sends them one. Moses. Now, we're going to note some things in this passage, and uh, I, I, I trust it'll be a help to you. If there's faith for all our fear, we see three, three things they were afraid of. Number one, they needed the faith to go out. They needed the faith to go out. To go out from where? To go out from Egypt. God said he was going to bring them out. So it was never a question of if he was going to do it. The question was, are they going to trust him to do it? The faith to go out. Uh, Then secondly, we're going to see the faith to go through. Because once they got out, they got to the Red Sea, and they were hemmed in. Mountains on either side, uh, Pharaoh and his army coming behind, and the sea in front. They needed the faith to go through, but God brought them through. And then after they got through, we know that 40 years later, after their lack of faith, their unbelief, God was ready to bring them in, but they needed faith to go in. So there's really three thoughts that I want to give you. Number one, we need faith to go out. Number two, we need faith to go through. And number three, we need faith to go in. So let's look at the first one, and that is faith to go out. Faith to go out. And as I said a moment ago, it began with Moses' parents and what they taught their son. They taught their son that he was a Hebrew, that he was of the tribe of Levi, that God had called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, that God had Uh, blessed Abraham and Sarah with a son in their old age named Isaac. They taught him this. Now, it's amazing to note uh, 
how that he was taught this because the Bible tells us that Moses was learned in all the ways of the Egyptians. So Moses went to the Egyptian high school, but he didn't just go to the Egyptian high school. He went to the most elite school in all of Egypt. And what was he trained to do? He was trained to be the leader in Egypt. He was indoctrinated in the false ideology and in the idolatry and in the immorality of Egypt. Our children today are being indoctrinated. We've been indoctrinated in the ideology, the theology, the immorality of this world. And Satan is the prince of this world. And so here's this young man, Moses, who's being taught in these schools, the schools of Egypt. Now, we know that his mother had the opportunity to nurse him. I don't know how long she had that opportunity, but I would say it was at least a few years, and perhaps in and out through the years, she was able to be a part of his life. But this is what we know. In the short time that she had him, she made great use of that time. If you teach a preschool class or a nursery class in this church, please don't ever let the devil make you think that what you're doing is insignificant. You know, they tell us that if children are not loved and if they do not bond uh, with their mother early on, that they begin to, to they miss something of, the, of that emotional development in their own life. There's something that they miss and they really really can't compensate for in the future. You see, God is designed for a mother and a father, a husband and a wife to be together, to bring children into the world and to provide a home for them. And God allowed through very difficult circumstances, impossible circumstances, but because of their faith, their belief in God, and their willingness to obey God, and their willingness to overcome their own fear of the king's command, they obeyed God and honored God, and God honored them, and God blessed them. And the instruction that little baby Moses got, got in his heart. And let me tell you, Mom, nobody can replace you. And what you're doing is not in vain. And the devil will try to discourage you and he'll try to distract you and show you all the things that you're missing while you're tending to those precious little children. But in their formative years, they need a mom who loves Jesus and they need a dad who loves Jesus. And here we have baby Moses who had parents who loved Jesus and they maximized the opportunity that God gave them to put something into the heart of that boy. And when he was come to years, when he became a man as a young man transitioning from teenhood into adulthood, when he became a man, he said, I'm not an Egyptian. How did he come to that conclusion? Because of the truth that was in his heart. You see, if we will be faithful, if we will be obedient to God's word, 
in spite of the threats and the influences and the wickedness of this world. And by the way, I'm not here to tell you that it won't touch their lives and they won't struggle because it is touching their lives and they are struggling. But you cannot take a snapshot in time and and just think that that's the end of the situation. No, God has promised that his word will not return void. So when you go into the field and you plant the seed, if you come out and look at the garden three days afterwards, you're not going to see much, are you? But you're going to keep watering, right? And you're going to keep, you're just going to keep showing up at the garden. Maybe you need to do some fertilizing or whatever you do, and uh, you're going to have to protect, though, your garden. What are you going to protect it from? Well, I thought my alarm was going off, but it wasn't mine, thankfully. And uh, you're going to have to protect the vegetation, the life that's in the garden. What are you protecting it from? Predators. And we're going to have to do that. But, but every once in a while, they still sneak in, don't you? Don't they? I remember... Uh, helping my grandmother when we got the corn in and, and shucking the corn. And you remember those nasty little worms that were in the corn, eating the corn? Well, that made you not want to eat the corn. But what did you do? You just broke off that piece and you kept going, right? You're going to have that in the life of a child. That's going to happen. But you just keep doing what you're doing. I can imagine Amram and Jochebed wondering, oh, my goodness, what are they teaching him now? Here we thought this was a proper child. This was perhaps the boy that God would use to be the deliverer. God had a purpose and a plan for his life, but now he's off being taught in these schools. What's he going to believe? No doubt they prayed often for their son, but they feared for him. But God used his word in his life, did he not? You see, the faith of mom and dad became the faith of the son. And I'll tell you, parents, unless we have faith, unless we live by faith, unless we obey God by faith, we're not going to see that happen. So let's keep working at it. Let's not allow fear to stop us. You see, there was the faith to go out. God was going to call them out of the land. And it's a process. The leader was born, Moses. And the Bible says in verse 24, by faith, when he was, co- when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This speaks of his identification. Who are you, Moses? Who is this baby drawn out of the water? That's what his name meant. Is he the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Is he an Egyptian? Is his kingdom, is his position in this world, is his prosperity in this world, is his hope in this world? Well, we're going to have to make a decision as to how we raise our children. What are we, what are we raising them up for? For this world? Is his position to be uh, found and discovered in this world? Is his prosperity to be laid up in this world? Is that what God has placed him here to do? No. No, he has a greater purpose far beyond this world. You see, he had a promise that went beyond this life. Remember, all those previous ones, what did they do? They died in faith. They were looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God. 
They weren't looking for an earthly kingdom. They were looking for a heavenly kingdom. What is it that we're looking for tonight? What is, where are our affections? Have we set our affections on things above, or have we developed a love for this world? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All of us want our children to be successful in the sense that we would describe that. We want them to find someone that uh, actually they can't find this person. God needs to bring this person. But we want them to have a mate who loves God and will love them and will be faithful. We want them to have the ability to earn an income and uh, to, to develop a measure or, or to enjoy a measure of prosperity. We want them to have health. We want them to have opportunity. These are things that are important to us. They're natural. But more important than all of those things is do they know God? Do they have a relationship with him beyond just praying a prayer? Do they have a desire to serve him with their lives? You see, I think we get things backwards again. It's almost like parents are here to serve their children. You know, it's like when you walk into the living room, if you're a young person, it's like going to McDonald's. No, it's like going to Burger King, right? Have it your way. This is what I want. And, and we're raising an entitled generation. It's all around us, is it not? An entitled generation. We need to train our children to love God and to serve God, to serve God, not to serve themselves, but to serve God, not to be served, but to serve others. So they're going to have to determine who they are, who they belong to, where their home is beyond this world. Now, how did Moses evaluate? How did he come to this this determination about who he was, his, his identification. Well, the Bible tells us here, verse 25, he made a choice, number one. He made a choice. He chose rather, choosing rather, to suffer affliction. Who chooses that? Yes, what would you like to do in your life when you grow up? I think I'd like to suffer affliction. Well, nobody really wants that for their lives. We don't, we don't choose that for our lives. But that's what comes with serving Jesus. Affliction. Being made fun of, being ostracized, not being part of the in crowd, not being perceived as cool or hip or whatever the phrase is today. Probably not those two things. rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. He made a choice about who he wanted to be with. He wanted to be with God's people. Where were God's people? Well, they were on the wrong end of the social ladder in Egypt, were they not? They were the slaves. They were the despised. They were the looked down upon. You probably don't get many Instagram follows and likes when you're the slave and you're despised and you're looked down upon. You're not the bell of the ball at that point. You're not loved by the world. And if you love the world, you're going to have a hard time when the world doesn't love you. 
but they chose to suffer, or rather Moses did, chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Think of everything that Moses had at his disposal. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was in line to be the king. He had wealth and opulence. He had opportunity. He had power. He had prestige. He had it all. But he made a choice. He made a choice. I'd rather be with the people of God than to be with the people of this world. May we raise children who get that in their heart. Verse 26, he made a choice and he made a determination. He evaluated something. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Moses, are you going to give up the palace? Are you going to give up your role as the prince? Are you going to give up your future, your popularity, your wealth? Are you going to give that up to go be a child of slaves? to bear reproach, shame? Are you willing to do that, to to bear that reproach? And Moses said, yeah, but you don't understand something. You know, Pharaoh was a city builder, right? He built cities, treasure cities. But Moses saw all those treasure cities, and he knew what was in every one of them. But he was able by faith to look beyond the horizon of Egypt and to see into heaven and to see the treasure city that awaited. The city that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. The Bible that tells us is the city that's built four square, streets of gold and walls of jasper. The emphasis there is not on material things. The emphasis is to tell you that the things of this world are meaningless in heaven. Moses was able to say, you know what? If I'm willing to bear the reproach for Christ, I'll enjoy greater treasures throughout all eternity. I have a city that is built by God. It's eternal in the heavens. Now, I don't know that many people knew this at the time. In fact, I'm sure they didn't. But let's say Moses was about 20 when he made this choice, 25. How old is Moses when he returns to Egypt? He's about 80. 55 years was the shelf life of what was going to happen in Egypt. All that stuff that those people loved so much was going to crash and burn in 55 years because by the time God leads the children of Israel out, what has happened to Egypt? They're completely devastated. It's all gone. What's going to happen to this world? It's going to melt away with a fervent heat. We're watching it happen in a sense. Now, it's going to happen literally, but we're watching it, aren't we? Beloved America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, no longer the land of the free, becoming the home of the fearful, a nation that's turned its back on God, 
a nation that is in the throes of death. It helps us understand that our home is not here. But to know that our home is in heaven. You say, well, pastor, when you, when you talk about America in that context, I mean, aren't you afraid for your children and your grandchildren? Absolutely. But I also recognize at the same time that my children and grandchildren don't have a future here. They have a future in heaven. A city not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And what means more than that? What means more than being with our family, the ones that we love, the family of God for all eternity? You see, we need the faith to go out. And it begins by saying who we are. But then notice in verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Well, his parents had to make a decision. If we do this, the king's not going to be happy. And Moses had to make a decision. If I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, if I leave all of this behind, the king's going to be really, really mad at me. But Moses said, I'm sorry, but I can't hang around here anymore. I got to leave. So this faith to go out, Starts with step one, identification, who I am. Step two, here it is, separation. Separation. We have to separate from this world. Now, we can't leave this world, can we? I mean, Jesus said, I'm praying, Lord, not that you would actually literally take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the world. That was his prayer in John uh, 17. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy, thy word is truth. The word sanctify means to be holy. Come out from among them, the Bible says, and be ye, what's the next word? Separate, saith the Lord. We are not a part of this world, and there comes a time then when we acknowledge that, we must recognize that, and then we must separate from it. We're living in it, but we're not a part of it. We're not a part of it. And how did he do that? By faith by trusting God, for he endured. You know, there's some things we're going to have to endure, right? There's some difficult days that we're going to have to endure. He endured, and how did he endure? He endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, when we're enduring, what do we want? We want the end of the struggle. We want the end of the temptation. We want the end of the trial. We want the end of the situation. But God allows us to go through the situation and to endure. And how did he endure? By keeping his eyes on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's how he endured. So number one, there's identification. Number two, there's separation. Number three, there's observation. Observation. He's taking steps. What are the steps? The steps to go out. 
The first step is, I don't belong here. I'm, I'm not a part of this. Step number two is to leave. And that's what he did. He left. Step number three, to obey, to observe what God has said. Look in verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. He observed the Passover. What was the Passover? The Passover was the condemnation and the judgment that fell on Egypt. What was that condemnation? That the firstborn, that judgment that would fall, the firstborn would die. What had Pharaoh done? He had killed all those babies. He had robbed God of his people. Plus, he had kept them ensnared. So what did God do? God said, okay, you're going you're gonna to be judged for that. And so God brought judgment on them, the death of the firstborn. Well, everybody, not just the Egyptians, could be affected by this. What does that show us? Well, that all are sinners, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that each of us, no matter who we are, no matter what our status, no matter what our position, cannot come out from this world and be delivered from it into eternal life unless we come through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Well, at this point, Moses is revered. The people of, of Egypt fear Moses. They think he's greater than the Pharaoh. But as great a man as he was, he wasn't above the Passover, was he? So just like everybody else, he sacrificed the lamb. He put the blood on the doorposts and the lintel. He ate the Passover supper. He made ready, and judgment fell. How was he spared from that judgment? through the blood of the sacrifice. Now, we live in a nation that's under the judgment of God. Romans chapter 1, we're living right there. I'm convinced that's true. What's going to happen to us in the judgment? If the blood's applied and the promises of God are ours, we have nothing to fear. We must trust God. But there ought to be a great warning for us. There ought to be a great warning for us that we're not trivial and loose with the things of God, but that we know that the blood has been applied to our account. Well, what did God do that night? Well, there was a great, a great cry in Egypt, and they said to the people of Israel, you go. And they went. God led them out, the Bible says, by a strong and mighty hand, a strong arm of God. He delivered them. They had the faith to go out. But it wasn't over there, was it? Because then they came to the sea, and they would need the faith to go through. And then 40 years after an entire generation had perished in the wilderness, they needed the faith to go in. We'll have to pick those points up later, but may God help us. Thank you for listening. 
We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.